Jesus, as we reflect on the words of, that we've just sung. We, we want to tell you that we love you. We want to tell you we're so grateful for what you've done for us. We thank you that when we build our lives on you, we build our lives on rock. And we pray that you will help us to keep on turning our eyes to you. And we pray now that as we think about your word, as we read it and reflect on it together, that you will speak to us, that you will change us, and that you will use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as Carol said, this is our last um, one in our 10-week series on Acts. And I know some of you have been looking at it in your small groups. And uh, I guess it would be good over the next week or, or so to think, actually, what has God been saying? What's been God's been saying to us? What's God been saying to me through Acts? Uh, I'm not going to try and answer that question this morning. I actually, I, I had an experience this week, which doesn't often happen, where I got halfway through the week thinking I was going to say one thing um, this Sunday and then deciding, actually, that I ought to say something else. Still on Acts. But I, it, was, it was a result, I think, of talking to a few people and, and some people I met, and in particular a deacon's meeting we had during the week, a deacon's prayer meeting. And I really felt that I ought to speak this morning about encouragement. Encouragement. Depending on which Bible translation you use, uh, the word, uh, there are different words which might be, well, there are different English words that might be uh, used to translate a word that comes up quite a lot in Acts. Sometimes you might have a version that uses a word like exhort or comfort even. But the New International Version tends to use the word encourage. And it's characteristic of a number of people in Acts. It's particularly characteristic, you probably know, of somebody called Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement. And I'll come back to him. But actually it's also characteristic of the Apostle Paul, and I said, as I've said before in this series, we tend to think of Paul as this sort of quite abrasive, bit of an alpha male, bit of a, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm not really listening to anybody. But actually, if you read Acts, you, you don't get that impression. I think it's a caricature that for some reason we've got about Paul. You don't find that, that he's like that. and You don't find he's like that in his letters either. And you, there are lots of examples uh, in Acts of Paul and those he traveled with encouraging exhorting, comforting, helping, building up the churches which he established and which he visited. And sometimes in Acts, we also see examples of the body of believers, the church as a whole, all of us, encouraging those, of our, those who are in leadership positions, encouraging people like Paul and Barnabas and those who were called to, to lead. So we see lots of examples of encouragement, but um, for the sake of time, I'm just going to focus a little bit on Barnabas, and then I'm going to think about how we could um, uh, apply that today. So I did have some pictures. There we are. Um, so Barnabas. So a little bit of geography. Uh, this is the uh, eastern end of the Mediterranean. Uh, have you booked your holiday yet? Um, I, we haven't. We're always like last-minute people, but... Um, we kind of feel that we're excused that at the moment. But uh, we start uh, with Barnabas in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 4. 
and be great if you could turn these. I will be asking you to look up some verses later and shout them out. So get in the habit uh, of opening your Bibles if you have one or get one open on your phone or something. But we first encounter Barnabas at the end of Acts chapter 4 where we read uh, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So Barnabas wasn't actually his, his real name in a sense. It was what he was called in the church. This guy was somebody we called son of encouragement. And what did he do? He sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And then as we go into the next chapter, we found another couple of characters who who didn't do quite such a good job. But the implication, I think, from that passage is that Barnabas, by his gift of property to the church in Jerusalem, that that was, in a sense, part of his ministry of encouragement. Then um, we move to... I'm not moving on, Rob. Can you move me on a slide? Or has the whole thing got stuck? We move to Damascus. There you are, Damascus. Damascus is in the news, of course. It's in modern-day Syria. Uh, Paul was on on, on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus when he was converted, when he saw the dazzling light and experienced the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And what happened when Paul was converted in Damascus? Well, he he went to join the church there, and the church said we're not sure we want Paul among us. We're not sure we trust him. This is the guy who used to go beating up Christians. But what do we read that Barnabas did? But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Paul brought Uh, So um, Barnabas brought Paul back to Jerusalem and encouraged the church to welcome him. The next place we meet meet, uh, Barnabas is in Antioch. Antioch there uh, um, was a a real center of the early church. In fact, as we read in Acts, it's it's the first place where Christians were called Christians. And at the beginning of Acts chapter 13, Barnabas is listed as one of the prophets and teachers in the church at Antioch, and he and Paul were sent off as missionaries to Cyprus and Turkey. And if you, if you, if you were paying attention just now, you'll remember that um, Barnabas was originally from Cyprus. So he went back to his home people on the island of Cyprus, and we read in Acts chapter 13 about how he and Paul um, introduced them to the gospel. And then they went up to uh, what was then called the Roman province of Asia, we would now call Turkey, and uh, they, they established and planted uh, various churches there in that region. They were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, we read. They preached the gospel wherever they went. They urged those who believe to continue in the grace of God. That's encouragement, isn't it? They urged them to continue in the grace of God. They strengthened the disciples, we read in chapter 14, verse 22, and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. They didn't pretend that it was going to be something it wasn't. They said, they warned but encouraged them to keep going through hardships. And then when we get to Acts 15, we find, um, let's say, went back to the church in Antioch, and then they're sent there to Jerusalem. And they are sent there to Jerusalem to help settle the question of whether Gentile believers need to be circumcised, which was a massive issue in the early church. If you were a non-Jew and you became a follower of Jesus, did you need to adopt 
Jewish customs, including, if you're a male, circumcision. And we read in Acts chapter 15, the whole assembly, this is all the apostles who'd gathered together to discuss this question, the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. They con- and and uh, as a result, they convinced the apostles, which is good news, and are sent back to Antioch, where, guess what? We read, they encouraged the church and remain there to teach and preach the word of the Lord. We get this picture, don't we, of Barnabas everywhere he went, spreading encouragement, spreading um, the good news about Jesus, helping to smooth over difficult situations, to encourage people. But sadly, the final reference to Barnabas in Acts relates to him falling out with Paul. Paul thinks that John Mark, who'd been with them on some of their travels, was unreliable, but Barnabas wants to give him a second chance. Now, the good news is that we know from Paul's letters that he was subsequently reconciled with John Mark. And we're just left wondering, I suppose, whether Barnabas had something to do with that. So that's Barnabas, somebody to ponder Uh, what you might call a minor character in the New Testament, and yet someone who had a great influence, primarily um, sort of behind the scenes. We're not given given sermons or, or anything like that that Barnabas preached. He was often accompanying Saul, Paul, but he's somebody who just smoothed things over, who encouraged, who enabled the church to be built up and strengthened. So I want to spend a few minutes now, really the rest of our time, thinking, well, how does, that, how does all this apply to us? How can we be people who are encouragers? And um, I want to start, well, I want to ask a series of questions, really, and I hope you have your, those of you who've got Bibles, get ready, because I'm going to ask you to look up some passages and, and call them out. So the first question, so you can start, there's a couple of verses here. Um, if, if you're not familiar with your Bibles, if, this is, if you're new here, uh, you're thinking, what's this all about? Don't worry at all, just, just sit back and let everyone else do the work. Uh, but if you're a regular here, um, this is for you. Uh, look up a verse and be ready to shout it out, and there will be plenty more to come. So while the people are doing that, so where do we ultimately look for our encouragement? In which direction do we look? Up. Thank you. I'm always saying this, aren't I? Look up. Great. So who's got Acts 9.31? Nice and loud. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Thank you, Mike. So encouraged by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit encouraged the church. Right, who's got 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 to 17? Thank you, Andy. So who's doing in the, the encouraging in those verses? God. Well, Jesus Christ and God the Father. So we've got, we've got the whole set, haven't we? We've had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are all, we are told, uh, that God is a God who encourages. 
God is a God who encourages, and therefore the ultimate source of our encouragement comes from God. That's good news, isn't it? Interestingly, the, um, the word which um, is mainly translated encourage in Acts and in the New Testament is the, is, the word that we, is the word that Jesus used when he said the Holy Spirit's coming. And do you remember the word he used? He said, there's going to come one who is going to be your comforter. Uh, the, the, the original word which some translations leave untranslated is paraclete and it's the word that's translated encourage a paraclete is someone uh, it's a Greek word and it just means someone who comes alongside us who's someone who, who fights for us some translations um, have advocate someone who speaks on our behalf some translations have counsellor or comforter um, but the verb form of it which we get, which we've seen through Act, is the encourage word. So the Holy Spirit, by his nature, is an encourager. He's one who comes alongside us to encourage. So where do we look for our encouragement? Ultimately, we look up. We look to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, great. Now my next question is what? What are the greatest words of encouragement we can give? What are the most encouraging words that we can hear? So there's a couple of verses uh, there that have just appeared on the screen. Can anybody like to read one of those? Philippians 2.1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Yes, then he goes on to say, behave in a certain way. But, but where is the source of our encouragement? Matt, according to that verse. Christ. Yes, it's Christ and being united with Christ. Exactly. It's knowing that we are part of Christ. It is the good news that as Christians we are united with Christ. That those are such encouraging words. And uh, uh, Romans 15, 45. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, scriptures we might have hope May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ. Thank you. So where's the encouragement coming from? It's coming from hearing what God has done. It's encouraged, it, we're encouraged as we read the scriptures. We're encouraged as we hear the message about the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the message of encouragement. There's many false encouragements in our world, aren't there? There's many false places we can look. Uh, oftentimes we're told um, to, 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 find the, to find a sense of encouragement within ourselves. You know, believe in yourself. You can do anything. All these sort of um, slogans that we get bombarded with and our children and young people get on bombarded with. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is look up and hear the great words of encouragement that God gives us, that he loves us, that he has a plan to save us, that he wants to make us his children, that he wants to live with us forever in etern for eternity in heaven. Those are the encouraging words. Because the trouble is we know ourselves, don't we? And if people are just telling us, well, we're the answer, after a while, we work out that well, it, it, it's not true and it doesn't work because actually we're flawed and we're sinful and we let ourselves down, yet alone everybody else. But we know a God who never lets us down. And we, when we trust in him, when we look to him for in encouragement, then we will find that encouragement never lets us down. It never falls short. It always delivers, whereas all the other idols and so on of this world, always in the end, they fail to deliver the goods that they promise. 
So that, those are the great words of encouragement. Always look up, always look to God, always look to what he has done in Christ. And great that Carol in our service earlier uh, reminded us that the answer is Jesus. I mean, that was the point of this, this amusing little quiz we had. The answer literally is always Jesus. And I know that's supposed to think, I think it's a bit of a joke in, in Sunday school, the answer is always Jesus. But the answer always is Jesus. That's the whole point. That's why we're here. The answer is not us. The answer is God. Right, next question. So, who should do the encouraging? Who should encourage? Ah, now here's an interesting question. Who's got Romans 12, 6 to 8? Thank you, Dave. So there's lots of different gifts there mentioned by Paul, and this is one of a number of lists of spiritual gifts we have in the New Testament. But did you spot the encouragement is a gift? Had you ever noticed that before? The gift of encouragement is, some people, is something that some people particularly have. And there are some people sitting here today that I know are great encouragers. They have the gift of encouragement. Sometimes it's a natural gift. Some people just seem to be born with it. Sometimes it's a gift that God gives us. Uh, to serve the church. So some people have a particular gift of encouragement, but does that mean that the rest of us can just be miserable and discouraging? No, because we have the other verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.14, which is just one of many that could be quoted. Who's got that? And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, Thank you. So who's Paul writing this to? The brothers and sisters. Everybody in the church in Thessalonica, he was addressing with these words. And what did he tell them to do? Well, he told them to do a number of things, but he said, encourage the disheartened. And to be honest, lots of verses that we could have looked at in the New Testament, which would have reminded us that it's the job of all of us in Christ's church to be encouragers, albeit that certain people have a particular gift for being encouraging, and we, and we praise and bless God for people with those gifts. Now, next question. Whom? Uh, so, this, you know, my wife's gone out to junior church, but she'd love this because it's, it's whom as opposed to who. So this is, the, whom means that the, it is the, the, the ones who are being encouraged, not the ones who are doing the encouraging, but who should we encourage? Well, um, Again, I could put lots of verses here. And I put Barnabas as an example, really, because who did Barnabas encourage? Paul? Paul? Yeah, who else? The church. Barnabas encouraged everybody. Barnabas was one of these people that just walked around in a cloud of encouragement, didn't he? And everybody he met, he encouraged. So, uh, so part of the answer is we, encouraged, we encourage everybody. But Psalm 43, verse 5 is interesting. Read, would somebody like to read that? Again, not an isolated. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Thank you, John. So, who is the psalmist talking to here? Himself. Thank you. Why are you downcast, O my soul? 
Why so disturbed within me? He is speaking to himself, as a lot of the Psalms do. And he says to himself, he says, little me, come on, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great 20th century preacher, used to say that as Christians we need to talk to ourselves, not listen to ourselves. And the point he was trying to make is that um, you, might, you might get up in the morning and you don't feel very encouraged. You, you immediately are aware of your shortcomings or the bad things that have happened to you. And uh, if you just listen to all that, if you just... I'm not saying you should never listen to yourself because, you know, we do have to listen to ourselves um, and be self-aware and all that sort of thing. But if, uh, if we only listen to ourselves and we never speak to ourselves, we never, as Martin Lloyd-Jones used to say, we need to preach to ourselves because this is what the psalmist is doing in Psalms 42 and 43. He's saying, little me, Chris, come on, remember what kind of God you know. Remind yourself of that where and that who that we were talking about earlier. And in, there is a sense in which the first person we need to encourage every day is ourselves. Uh, that's why it's not a bad idea to begin your day with prayer and Bible reading. It's not, it's not you have to do that, but you'll find it helpful because it will point you up. It will point you to God. It will encourage you. It is a mean by which you can encourage yourself and be encouraged by God's words. So encourage yourself, particularly if you're somebody who's inclined to be a little bit melancholy or to be a little bit glass half empty. And I preach to myself here because I'm a bit like that. I can easily see the problems rather than the solutions. And I need to remind myself to speak to myself, to take myself in hand. Maybe some of you need to do that as well. But then, obviously, we need to encourage one another. And again, I confess, I'm, I've felt um, burdened to, to talk about encouragement this morning, but I'm, I confess I'm not the greatest encourager. I feel sometimes that I let, I let you down. I let, I let people down because I'm not as encouraging as I should be. But God challenges us, and God is a gracious God, and God reminds us this morning to be encouragers. So... Um, my final question is how? How do we encourage? Well, I'm going to spend slightly longer on this so it gets its own slide. And it gets four verses. So maybe somebody who hasn't said anything yet uh, would like to uh, read out one of these. Let's start with Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Primarily, we encourage one another with our words, but these verses remind us that we can also encourage one another with our actions. Who's got um, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25? All right, somebody who hasn't said anything. Yeah, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Thank you, um, David. So in this verse, let us consider how we may spur one another, how we encourage one another onward toward good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. 
That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, when we meet together, when we gather together, as we're doing now, uh, including those of you on Zoom who are gathered together on Zoom, and I hope we'll be staying for the, for the breakout rooms as well, uh, you are encouraging one another. You are encouraging others by your presence. The fact that you are here is an encouragement to us all. Amen? Are you encouraged by the fact there are other people here in the room? Yes. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. We are encouraged because we're not alone. If you've ever been to a Christian festival or something like that, it's encouraging because you're reminded that you're one of many, many thousands of people who also love the Lord Jesus Christ. It's encouraging, isn't it, to see other people. If for no other reason you come to church on Sunday, if, if even you're not feeling very spiritual and you can't raise your eyes to God, at least come to encourage others. Encourage others by being here. But who else do you encourage by being here? Yourself. Yourself. Thank you, Steve. We encourage ourselves when we're here. It's another way of, of forcing ourselves to look upwards, to raise our eyes. We come and we are encouraged. Hopefully we meet somebody who encourages us. We hear God's word. We sing songs that encourage us. Above all, we hear about God. We are encouraged. We all know, don't we, that... Um, Sadly, and it's sadly been a feature of lockdown, I think, that it's easy to become isolated, easy to become detached from the family of God, and, and it's easy to get into a vicious downward spiral. Oh, I feel a little bit isolated, and therefore I won't gather with other Christians. Well, what's then going to happen? Well, I'm going to feel even more isolated. So I'm going to find it more difficult to meet with other Christians. And you see people going downwards into that vicious spiral of getting further and further away and more and more negative in their thinking. Well, what's the way out of that? Well, it is to look up and to begin a positive spiral of saying, however hard I do it, I'm going to feel the fear and do it anyway. I'm going to walk through those doors. I'm going to leave my, my um, video on on Zoom. I'm going to join that breakout room, however awkward I find it. I'm going to do it because it will help me. It will be good for me and it will be good and it will bless those other people as well. Brilliant. Hebrews 10. Let's do Romans 1, 11 to 12. What encouragement, means of encouragement, do we find there? Has anyone got that? Thank you. That we may be mutually encouraged, that you and I may encourage each other by one another's faith. Uh, have you been encouraged when you've heard somebody's testimony? Are we expecting to be encouraged next weekend as we hear the four testimonies of the four wonderful people who've come to know Jesus and are being obedient to him and going through the waters of baptism? Are we expecting to be encouraged? Yes, you will be encouraged. I've heard some of those testimonies. I had tears pouring down my face. You will be encouraged. We are encouraged as we hear about one another's faith. You know, there's a feeling abroad. It's a feeling that comes into the church from the world that says, oh, it's a bit, we shouldn't really talk too much about faith. We might put people off. We might make people feel, um, you know, separate or whatever. No. The gospel is good news. It's good news to talk about Jesus. It's good news to hear about what God's done in our lives. The people in your workplace and in your college, they might not always want to hear it, but actually they will respect you. Their hearts will be lifted when they hear that God has made a difference to your life. 
we're inspired and we're encouraged, as Paul said in Romans chapter 1, as we, as we talk about our faith together, as we hear it. You don't have to be getting baptised to give your testimony. If you've got a story about what God's done for you in your life that points upwards, then please tell me, we'd love to hear it. A video or come and stand up here on a Sunday or, or something like that. Let's hear, because it is an encouragement to hear what God's doing in our lives. Right, Titus 1.9. Thank you, Tim. So, uh, Titus 1.9. Hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it's been taught so that we can encourage others by sound doctrine. Oh, you weren't expecting that, were you? Doctrine, we might think, oh, well, that's for people who go to theological college. That's, I find that all a bit heavy. Uh, what's, what's Paul saying to Titus? He's saying hearing. Uh, doctrine just means truth about God. It means, it means talking about God in an accurate and healthy way, not in a distorted and misleading way. That's what doctrine means. It's not, a, it's not a scary word. It's not something that some people do and some people don't. We're all theologians in the church because we're, we're all supposed to talk about God. And when we talk about God, when we talk about God accurately, and we try very hard to make sure that what we say about him is, is in accordance to what he's revealed and is respectful and and. Uh, although we can never, we can never in our words encapsulate what God's truly like. Nevertheless, we do our best that we can in our words and in the songs we sing and in how we talk about God. We, we do as best we can to represent God as he really is. That's good doctrine and that encourages us. Amen. And there's nothing worse than bad doctrine that talks inaccurately about God and tells us things about God which are just wishful thinking and which are not true, that doesn't encourage anyone. That just creates false hopes and misleading ideas which prove to be false and which let us down. So good doctrine is an encouraging thing and we should encourage those. Uh, you should encourage yourself by reading books that, in, that help you to develop good, a good understanding of what God is like. Right, finally, Titus, still in Titus, chapter 2, verse 15. Titus 2, 15. These, then, are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Right, thank you. Interesting verse. Let me come at it slightly sideways. Firstly, um, how shall I put this? Sometimes people say something, and I think they're meaning to be encouraging, or they say they are, and then there's a little barb. Have you noticed that? There's a little sharp bit. And uh, if, you, if you do that to somebody, if you say something um, to somebody, and you think, well, that was a, I said something very encouraging to them, uh, but it included a little barb, a little sharp bit, what is the one thing they're going to remember about that conversation? The sharp bit, aren't they? So, it's, so uh, uh, encouragement plus sharp bit equals discouragement. Correct? So you don't, we don't encourage people by, by trying to put them right. However, there is a time for putting people right. And uh, many verses, actually, that we could quote in the New Testament. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Paul says, encourage and rebuke. He puts them together. He does the same thing in several of his letters. He talks about, you know, people who are idle and disruptive and they need to be told to be quiet. And sometimes they need to just be ignored and sent on their way. So 
the Bible doesn't just always say you should encourage everybody at all times. There are people who need to be told to stop, are told that they're wrong, told that they are being disruptive and unhelpful. And that is a way in which the church is being built up. But it's a distinct thing from encouragement. If God's calling you to encourage somebody, don't stick a little barb in. Don't stick a little rough bit in. Uh, save the rebuke. Think very carefully about how you're going to do it. Maybe talk to somebody else about how you do that carefully. But there's a lot more in the New Testament about encouraging than there is about putting people right. So that's the how. By our actions, by actually being present and encouraging people by our presence, by, by our faith, by our spirituality, by talking about God and what he's done for me, that encourages others, by sound doctrine, and by making sure that our encouragement is true encouragement, but also remembering there is a time for rebuke and warning. So just to wrap up, some questions for you more questions, but you don't have to look anything up now. This is just to, for us to think for a few minutes. Do you need encouragement? And, and we all do at some level. You might think, oh, so-and-so, he's so confident, he never needs any encouragement, I won't bother. Everybody, I believe, needs encouragement. But if you, if you know that you need encouragement, are you looking for your encouragement in the right places? How could you encourage yourself with God's truth? Or how could you put yourself in a place where God can encourage you? Are your ears open to God's word of encouragement to you? Do you need to set aside some time, maybe on a daily basis, maybe first thing, because you know that's when you're most, well, maybe it's the time of day, actually, when you're most vulnerable to discouraging thoughts. Set aside some time to listen to God's words of encouragement. Do you find encouraging others difficult? I think many of us have to work at it. Some people, as we've said, are given the gift of encouragement, but many of us have to be intentional about it. Do you need to repent of a discouraging spirit or even just a lazy spirit? And what disciplines could you put in place to help you to become more encouraging? Or if you, if you are somebody, and there are folks I believe here who this applies to, who have the gift of encouragement, how could you develop it? We're encouraged in the New Testament to, to exercise our gifts. Like you exercise a muscle. When you exercise a muscle, it becomes stronger, doesn't it? Uh, I think the same thing with spiritual gifts often. How could you exercise your gift more fully? I believe that encouragement is one of the most necessary gifts for the church in our day. And those who have that gift shouldn't be distracted from it. Don't get distracted from it with other stuff. Focus on it. And those of us who think, well, it's not my gift, remember that we are all encouraged to be encouragers. And finally, is there someone God is particularly laying on your heart to encourage? You might want to look around the room or look around your Zoom meeting or think about who you've encountered in the last week or who you're about to encounter. 
is there somebody actually that could do with some encouragement? You might not even know why, but as you listen to God, maybe he knows somebody who needs it and you, you're not aware of it and he wants you to do something about it. What would be the best way for you to encourage them? Is there someone you could encourage this morning before you leave the building, before you press the leave button on Zoom? Is there somebody that you could encourage? I'm going to invite us to be quiet for a moment and consider those questions where we're looking for encouragement, whether we need to find, um, be more intentional about encouraging, about developing our gifts of encouragement, and about being specific today about someone we could encourage because God's church today, just like in Acts, needs encouragement and it needs encouragers. Let's be quiet. Father God, we ask you to forgive us for our failings. Forgive us for our, uh, the way that we've uh, perhaps looked for encouragement in the wrong places, tried to find self-affirmation in the wrong places, and we haven't looked to you. Forgive us and remind us, we pray, who you are. What a wonderful God you are. How great the things are that you have done for us. How great your love and your mercy is towards us. Remind us and encourage us, we pray. Help us, we pray, to be better encouragers of others. I pray particularly for those to whom you have given that gift, that you will bless them in that gift, that you will multiply it within your church to build others up. But I pray that you will take and use all of us to be encouragers, particularly in this day when there is so much which could discourage and your church needs encouragement. Will you encourage us? Will you raise up new encouragers? But may you make us all people who encourage one another. And above all, help us to fix our eyes on you. The source of our comfort and encouragement. Holy Spirit, counsellor, comforter, advocate of God. We welcome you into our church and we desire more of you. Holy Spirit, come upon us, we pray, and enable us to be more like Jesus, to be those who encourage one another, and even more as we see the day approaching. In our Saviour's name we pray. Amen.